Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and descended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Friday, March 27th, we are studying Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Jesus ends his end times discourse by teaching about the end, the last day, his coming in glory to judge the living and the, and the dead. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Matt Wheatfelt. Pastor Wheatfelt serves as the Director of Admissions and the Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Wheatfelt, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Thank you, Pastor Oppel. It's good to be with you guys again. And uh, yeah, it's a great joy to be able to work through God's Word uh, even in these days. Pastor Wheatfield, I understand that things are a bit different at the, the seminary these days as they are for, for all of us. How's it going there in Fort Wayne? Yeah, so we've we've had to modify uh, the way that we're providing our um, residential education. Uh, unfortunately, with everything going on and with the different restrictions that uh, the government and uh, the federal government and the state have put on uh, both educational institutions, but then here in uh, Indiana, our governor has also put a, a stay-at-home order on the uh, the whole of the state until I think it's a week from. Uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, we've had to move to online, all online education. Uh, and so uh, uh, our professors are still teaching their classes, our students are still going to classes, but we're, we have to do it, unfortunately, at a distance. And so that's, uh, that's caused uh, not the headaches, but just some some strain on us as an institution that's primarily been focusing on uh, residential education. But luckily, we've had other programs that we've done at a distance, and we've been able to incorporate a lot of those uh, items and uh, teaching styles into what we're doing here. So things are going well. Um, and uh, unfortunately, we've also had to uh, cancel or postpone uh, the majority of our spring activities. So our Springs Prayerfully Consider event or recruitment event uh, that was scheduled for next uh, uh, Thursday through Saturday has been postponed uh, till sometime this summer date to be announced at a later date. And then uh, unfortunately call day and our vicarage and uh, Deaconess internship placement services have all been um, moved to an online setting. And uh, so you'll be able to watch those online, but unfortunately our students won't be able to uh, physically participate uh, in those as they've been able to in the past. And those are just the hallmark uh, days of our campus. And uh, we really, we kind of mourn, but we're mourning the loss of being able to do that. But we're hoping, to, uh, keeping fingers crossed and uh, not, uh, you know, doing anything rash, but trying to keep our students safe, that we might be able to have a graduation still come middle May. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. And if anybody is interested in, in coming to, to the seminary at Fort Wayne, even though those, those events have been canceled, they can still get in touch with you concerning matters of admissions, right? Absolutely. Yeah, just uh, shoot us an email at admission at ctsfw.edu. My staff is, we're, we are, we're not on campus right now, we're working deployed, uh, but our, our phone lines are all forwarded to uh, our cell phones and uh, our emails are all coming to us still. And we're, we're working with folks as they, they, they go through uh, their applications. And if there's folks that are interested, we're still here to serve. Uh, the seminary uh, might be at a, a reduced functioning right now, uh, but uh, we are still fully active and here to, to serve uh, our prospective students and uh, continuing to serve the church by creating servants who, uh, who go out into the church to, to share God's word. Excellent. So let's talk about Matthew 25. We're at the end of the chapter today, Pastor Wheatfelt. This is really the, the culmination of a couple of things in Matthew, I think. It's the culmination of Jesus' discourse here in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, and it's, it's going to be the culmination of his teaching before he enters into his passion. So give us some of that context, particularly as we are in Holy Week. What's been leading up to this text that will help us digging into it today? Absolutely. So like you had said, Pastor Oppold, uh, this is this is Jesus's fifth discourse uh, in the whole of uh, 
what what Matthew is bringing and giving to us in regard to uh, the life of Jesus, and uh, those discourses uh, are, are are quite important. Uh, we we see uh, them happening all over the place. Uh, discourses uh, in regard to his miracles and his healing. Um, and this final discourse now it takes uh, an eschatological or end times turn and. Uh, Jesus begins to focus his attention on both uh, what the end uh, looks like, but then also um, the, what his end, excuse me, looks like, but then also what the end, the ultimate end of all time looks like. And so um, giving some context with Jesus looking towards the end uh, and, and stepping back a little further than what I originally had said, uh, uh, Pastor Apple, when Jesus comes down the uh, Mount uh, of Transfiguration, everything changes. Uh, we see that more pointedly in Luke's gospel, uh, where Luke, uh, Luke chapter nine, Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem. Um, but we even see that in Matthew's gospel, where Jesus, Jesus comes down the mountain uh, after being uh, transfigured and, and, and everything changes. And we see kind of the culmination of that change uh, in, in, at the end of Matthew's gospel, uh, beginning with the triumphal entry uh, in chapter 21. Jesus then does uh, some end times parables in, uh, in 21 and 22, uh, the parable, parable of the, uh, the two sons, the parable of the, the tenants, uh, in 21, and then going into 22, the parable of the wedding feast uh, as well, and uh, just some 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 fantastic end times uh, looking at uh, uh, parables. And then Jesus goes into uh, more talking in regard to uh, woes, woes. He he pro, uh, proclaims seven woes against the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, which is immediately following the uh, Jesus's little bit on with talking to the Pharisees in regard to who is the Christ. And so it, Jesus, you know, the, they missed the mark. Uh, they, they focus on something else and Jesus lays out his woes and then uh, ultimately then look uh, laments over Jerusalem, knowing that Jerusalem uh, as the pinnacle of the faith for the Israelites uh, is, is, is not what the Lord had intended for it to be. Then Jesus goes on to talk through some destructions uh, foretelling the destruction of the temple. Uh, and that that's one of the, the major pieces then that the, that the Pharisees use against Jesus uh, in, in regard to his final uh, trial and his uh, then eventual execution. And uh, then goes into the abomination of desolation uh, and then um, uh, uses the fig tree as an example for how the end times is, is going to look. And then we get into 25 where Jesus does uh, some final parables and then what we're looking at today, the, what the final judgment uh, is going to look like. And then finishing out the context, this then leads into uh, the plot to kill Jesus, uh, the plot that the Pharisees have, have finally gotten themselves so riled up with contempt against Jesus that he that they ultimately then are able to begin the plot uh, incorporating Judas into that plot and um, as we as we continue through Holy Week see we see that plot um, playing itself out when Jesus goes to the garden and the the, the folks are brought to uh, to Jesus by uh, Judas and then the trial, um, uh, the sham of the trial, the the uh, that happens in the middle of the night. Uh, then Jesus going to 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 Pilate, to Herod, to Pilate, and then ultimately dying on the cross uh, for the sins of all all, all humanity. So in 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 uh, more more than I intended originally to to say about it. Um, that's the, that's the basic context uh, where we're looking at this within the context of Holy Week. And it's very interesting that Jesus pauses in order to do these end time things, these eschatological uh, teaching during uh, this, his, his final hours of, of his life. Yeah, that, that juxtaposition of 
his end that he knows is coming for for him on the cross and the end i think is is important and and we pointed this out last week at the very beginning of this discourse in in chapter 24 that that some of the things that we've heard jesus say about what's going to happen sound an awful like what actually happens to him and so those two things the fact that this is holy week that jesus knows his end is coming leads him to start talking about the end, that, that the judgment that's going to come upon him on the cross for the sake of sinners leads him to talk about the final judgment when that, that verdict is declared. And as we'll see in our text today, those who are in Christ are declared innocent because of what he has done for them. Pastor Wheatfelt, as you think about this text particular that we're looking at today, verses 31 through 46 here in chapter 25, what's the, the overall focus here? You've got this in your notes. You say, what happens to Jesus happens to you. Tell me more about that. Yeah, definitely. So the Christian life is a life where we are being led by Jesus and the things that have happened to Jesus um, happen to us. Um, they may not always look identical, uh, but they they are uh, what, what, what happens uh, to us and for us and in us and through us. That's the way that the Lord uses all of uh, our experiences. Uh, but then you, you we, we follow along the way uh, in regard to the life of Jesus, and we see uh, how Jesus, Jesus is born, we are born. Jesus grows, we grow. Jesus grows in wisdom and stature and fear of God. That is, Jesus is the, the, the prototype uh, the, of, of, of what it means to be truly human. Jesus has a mother and a father. We have mothers and fathers. That's what the, that's the ideal for a family. That is what family is, is to look like. Jesus, uh, uh, obeys his parents. We are called to obey our parents, but even in these, even in these last, uh, even in the last days of Jesus's life, uh, we see that it's, you know, it's sin, death, and the devil that are constantly, um, uh, coming at Jesus, they're wreaking havoc, and ultimately that it's 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 death that that has its way with Jesus. But Jesus's death, uh, in Jesus's death, he doesn't die like the rest of us. He dies for certain, yes, but his death isn't an end. His death is then a new beginning. It's a new creation. It takes what was seen as the culmination of the devil's work and sin, and he turns it all on its ear. And in doing that, when we, uh, and he, he gives then to us a death in reverse, a death that leads to life. And we simply, as St. Paul, uh, makes it makes clear in Ephesians, we're following along the path with Jesus. So he was the first, uh, the first fruit of the earth. And because he went into the ground. So when we go into the ground, we like him will ra be raised again. And so uh, everything that when I when we say everything that happens to Jesus happens to you. Uh, Jesus dies, you die. Jesus rises, you rise. Jesus sits at the right hand of, fa of the Father. Now you have the promise that at your end, you will not just lay in the ground and rot, but you too will sit at the right hand of the Father, not because of your work, but because of the work that Jesus has done on your behalf and how he cares for you and loves you and forgives you and lives uh, life through you and makes you a new creation. So uh, that, that that's what I mean by that. When, it, when uh, Jesus, uh, everything that happens to Jesus happens to you. And so uh, we should take great comfort in knowing that we are not alone in these struggles in this world, uh, whether it be in the day to day, uh, we, we getting older, we losing family members, um, we we seeing a world that is completely corrupt. You know, this this whole coronavirus, I think, shows a world that is uh, that is corrupt, not just uh, uh, us as individuals, but a whole world that through the sin of our first parents now sees corruption and it, it it the earth groans on our behalf as well so uh yeah everything that happens to jesus happens to you and uh because it has happened to jesus take heed take comfort uh that he is there with you as you go through these things as well
I think that matter of that everything happens to that happens to Jesus happens to you, as Paul lays out like in Romans six, where he talks about what baptism does, that we die with Christ, we're buried with Christ, we're raised with Christ. I think that will also help us as we get into the text and start considering this matter of the the works that Jesus brings up, the things that those on his right did, that in those good works, those two are things that Jesus has done. And now in the life of the Christian, he is is working out in them. I, I think of Galatians chapter two, where, where Paul talks about, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, that, that he's doing these good works in me. The Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, the good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. So that, that matter of Christ, what, it, what he has done now starts to, it, it comes in my life as well. His death becomes my death, his resurrection, my, my resurrection, his life becomes my life. I think that's going to help us as we, as we struggle a little bit with that, that text as well. Uh, one one more matter of of introduction, Pastor Wheatfield, before we actually get into the text here. So we're we're in Matthew twenty five, and and leading up to this, Jesus has told two parables. At, at the end of chapter twenty four, he told a couple of short parables, but he told a couple of extended parables in twenty five, dealing with the end times. You've got the the ten virgins or the ten bridesmaids at the beginning of the chapter. You've got the servants who are given talents to put to use by the master right before this. And now we're going to see the the final judgment, the sheep and the goats. I guess the, the question I want to ask you is, is this a parable again, or is this something else? What do you think? Yeah, I think in many ways, I think it's both um, parable and um even more so, you know, as parables are analogies, um, showing likenesses between the two. And, um, you know, I think that one can, you see a much starker com comparison uh, between the sheep and the goats um, than you can between the other two uh, act, like parable parables that you see at the beginning of 25. You can see, okay, these, I mean, you can see very plainly, the sheep are the good ones, the goats are the bad ones. Um, you can see that, yes, in, um, in, in the other parables as well, what we ought to do, um, wh which is the, the, the more virtuous way to live the Christian life. Yes, you can see those in the other two, but there's a stark difference. And the difference is made not because of the choice um, in the moment of the uh, sheep and the goats, uh, but it's made by the one who is separating them. It's done passively. Ever, the action for the sheep and the goats is done passively to them. Whereas in the, in, in the other two parables, the, the action is an uh, is an active action as opposed to um, the the passive action that happens to the sheep and the goats. So I, you know, it, it's it, it's both parable, but then it's also just I think simply put, lining trying to line things up for us, saying that there will be a separation, and that separation is between those who um, are of the faith and those who are not of the faith, those who are chosen uh, uh, through the waters of, of baptism and have faith and or should say or have just or just have faith and and those who have no faith or have a faith that is not in the one true God they may have faith in something else you know I think we all have we all have the we all have faith it's where is your faith and where is your trust is your faith and your trust? put into the things of this world. And in a sense, you are telling the Lord, no, Lord, I'm going to do this my way. Or is our faith uh, and trust in, in the Lord as opposed to the world? Is our faith and trust in the Lord and saying, Lord, uh, we, we, we receive it your way. You say it's this way. And we take we, we take heed, we take trust in, in what you give now, and we receive that as, as gift. So lo, again, long of the short, um, I think it, there is a difference uh, in, between the two parables, the, the, the virgins and uh, the, the, the tenants uh, versus uh, then the, the, the sheep and the goats. Right. Yeah, I would agree with you that there's a 
there's an aspect of it that maybe seems like a parable in that it's not sheep and goats who are separated on the last day. And Jesus even says, you know, as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats, he's going to separate people. So there, there's an, there are some elements of comparison that we need to understand as to what is, what is this matter of being a sheep or a goat? But, but in another sense, it's not a parable because the last judgment is a real event and there really will be a separation, a judgment based upon the things that Jesus is talking about within this text. So, so I, it's, I just, I point that out because I'm, I'm probably, I'm pretty sure I've done this before where I've talked about the parable of the 10 virgins, the parable of the talents, the parable of the sheep and goats. And I don't, I just don't think that that's the most helpful way to, to consider this text. There is, as you said, an element of the parable in there, but it's, this is describing something that's real. Jesus isn't, this is, this is an actual event, the final judgment, the last day, Christ coming in glory to judge the living and the dead. This is going to happen. And so we, we need to make sure that we understand that. So with that, let me go ahead and read the text here before we get to our break. So Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, Jesus concludes his discourse. When the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. That's our text for today, Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. So Pastor Wheatfeld, just briefly here before the break, let's, let's talk a little bit about the son of man language. We've heard Jesus use this term here, but, but in, or before in the... In the Gospel of Matthew, but here, particularly as it comes up in the matter of the final judgment, it seems pretty significant. Take us into this Son of Man language that Jesus is using. Yeah, so Jesus uses this Son of Man language uh, in the Gospels. He uses it the most here in Matthew's Gospel, um, and it, it comes up in in all of Holy Scripture. This Son of Man language comes up a hundred and uh, let's see, hundred and eighty nine times. The majority being used in the Old Testament, we see that in the in the uh, in the book of Ezekiel, um, where we see all sorts of of son of man, son of man, son of man language. But with Matthew or in Matthew's gospel, Jesus can Jesus uses this uh, to refer to himself and refer to uh, him as uh, in regard to being the son of God. God, even though he's using son of man here, it's, it's really, it's, it's a heightened like culmination of uh, who he is as um, the son of, of God. And Matthew particularly is focusing on not, uh, on, on not the divine nature, but the human nature of, of Christ here and, uh, and making sure that, that, that uh, the reader understand that this is uh this is god in the flesh coming to um coming to serve and to save uh his people and uh it, it's something that you know i think we 
we see oftentimes um, when we think about the person of Jesus, yeah, we 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 oftentimes focus too much on uh, the fact that he is the Son of God, but that he is one hundred percent God, one hundred percent man, and we need to hold those uh, two things in in tension with each other. That Jesus actually had physical needs and uh he he actually uh you know had human uh attributes to 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 himself and that's something that uh is very important uh thinking of of, of different passages uh that jesus in matthew uh chapter 8 verse 20 talks about the foxes having their holes and the birds of the air having their nest but the son of man has no place to lay his head uh that he actually has the, the the physical need of 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 being a tax collector or sorry of being <laughs> being actually tired and uh, uh needing to actually rest himself um and you know, other places that this 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 pops up as being important matthew chapter 12 um that the, the 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 son of man is lord over the sabbath when the pharisees get upset about uh Jesus doing miracles on the Sabbath and healing, especially on on the Sabbath. And so we see this, uh, this, this Son of Man language come up over and over and over again, uh, always pointing uh, out the fact that he is uh, the uh, that who he is, that he's not just a son of man, but he is the son of of man. The 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 the, the culmination of all of our humanity, uh, the man, the God man, Jesus Christ, who has come to to save us from our sins. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on Worldwide KFU. Looking at the end of Matthew chapter 25, we're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that for over 40 years, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries with low-cost loans and resources? This is Rahema Kavuga, Synod Relations Manager of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Because of faithful investors like you, we've been able to help church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations. To learn how you can get involved, call 800-843-8233. Each weekday on The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah, we share and discuss stories of Living Boldly Lutheran. Including missionary updates, mercy work, events and topics applicable to your daily vocations, and maybe some fresh dark roasts. The Coffee Hour weekdays at 9 a.m. on KFUO, underwritten by Concordia University, Wisconsin. Welcome back to Sharper Iron here on Worldwide KFUO. We're looking at Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46 with Pastor Matt Wheatfelt, the Director of Admissions and the Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Wheatfelt, prior to the break, we were discussing the Son of Man language used here in, in Matthew chapter 25 at the very end. And then the Son of Man, so he is the one, the, the one who is God and man. He is the one who comes with the angels, seated on his glorious throne, He's going to gather all the nations before him. And then Jesus says that that he will separate people as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. Now, we were talking earlier that this isn't a parable in the traditional sense of that word. But we've got this language that sounds like a parable here with this matter of sheep and goats. Why does Jesus talk this way? What's he mean when he talks about sheep and goats? When Jesus talks about sheep and goats, uh, he's... Uh, he's talking through that there's an actual separation that all men uh, are, I mean, really one of two things, either you're a sheep or either you're a goat. Um, And what is the determining factor 
of being either a sheep or a goat, you know, and I think, you know, if, if I think towards, uh, you know, like uh, explanations from folks like Franz Pieper and his dogmatic series, he, he points out that there's really just two religions of the world. Uh, there's a religion of, uh, there's the true religion, the religion of God, and then there's the false religion, the religion uh, of the world. And that, 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 that religion uh, shows itself in many ways. That's anything from atheism to agnosticism to, uh, uh, to to uh, to to Islam, to uh, Buddhism, to I mean anything that isn't confessing and proclaiming Jesus Christ as the Savior of our sins. Anything that falls outside of that uh, is is not of the true religion. Uh, is not the true religion and is is false in and of itself. So um, you know I, th we see that there's this that there are only two ways. There's not a, you know, there's, and, and the, the Jesus uses that as well. And there's a definite distinction between the two. Some are sheep, some are goats. In the ancient world, uh, goats would oftentimes try to get amongst the sheep and they could wreak havoc uh, in, in the sheep. Um, they would uh, they would be able to, they would take the food from the, from the sheep. Um, I mean, sheep, in many ways, sheep are stupid animals. <laughs> I shouldn't say in many ways, in all ways, sheep are stupid animals. And so they are, uh, they're constantly uh, needing to be taken care of by a shepherd. I think that's why when Jesus uses the examples uh, throughout scripture of talking about his people, he He's using sheep and shepherd language because uh, not, not, he's not saying we're stupid. No, he's not saying that. Uh, he's saying, though, that we are completely in, in need of his care, just like sheep are completely in need of his care. Uh, it's something that the ancient world had a much better grasp uh, than, than we have uh, today, since so many of us uh, do not live, uh, you know, in, in far on farmland or around farmland or understand uh, agricultural happenings, uh, or especially, you know, I, I, I was, I was blessed to blessed to on a farm. Um, my neighbors, nobody had, nobody had sheep. And uh, so I, I, I did not grow up around, I grew up around pigs and, and, and uh, horses and, and, and uh, cows, but no sheep. So even in my experience of growing Growing up uh, on a farm, we did not. I did not even have this understanding until you know later in life. Uh, so we, we've got to just keep that, keep our eyes fixed on what exactly is Jesus trying to say and using using these different examples. Uh, he he's using the fact that yeah, sheep sheep need to be utterly taken care of, and even things that kind of look like sheep in goats, uh, they need to be protected from those. And uh, even though the the goats kind of look like sheep. Uh, they're similar size. Uh, they they've got uh, you know four legs. They've got uh, uh, you know they've, they they they've got they're about the they're about the same height. Uh, they are different, and there's a there's an actual difference. And uh, they they can't they aren't to be amongst the sheep, and so shepherds would have to separate. Uh, the 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 two they couldn't just dwell there together peaceably there there had to be a separation there had to be a splitting of the two so that there was a group of sheep and a group of goats and so Jesus is uh, Jesus is simply using that example now to say that at the end that will happen again there will be an actual separation between those who are of the faith and those who are not of the faith. And those who are of the faith will be together and be able to receive the gifts of the Lord. And those who are not of the faith are going to be amongst themselves and not receive what the Lord promises and gives to uh, to his people, uh, what he has promised and give to his his, his people. So uh, that there's there. I think the, the highlight is that there is an actual separation. And that that separation isn't arbitrary, that that separation is over something that is true and real and 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 uh, and honest. And in ma in many ways, well, in all ways, it's just it is uh, it's it's actually saying that there is a consequence for actions or inactions or what have you. There is an actual consequence in these things so uh th th that's my little spiel on on the sheep and the goats 
it certainly the so the the fact that there are sheep and there are ghosts there are two groups you're one or the other that this is a, a real judgment and it's a just judgment as you said that imagery also brings to mind all kinds of old testament background perhaps the most famous is psalm 23 where the lord is my shepherd but this image of of shepherding and sheep also comes up in context of judgment in the old testament the both prophets uh jeremiah and ezekiel talk about sheep not like in especially in ezekiel the prophet ezekiel talks about the lord separating between sheep and sheep and between sheep and goats and he describes this so there's a bunch of old testament background that jesus is bringing into this using this same image of sheep and goats being separated on the last day and i, I appreciate how you said that maybe they look very similar but they are different and on the last day that's going to be manifest there were previous parables that had a similar aspect to them. In, in Matthew chapter 13, you've got that parable of the wheat and the weeds that grow together for now. The, the master leaves them to grow together for now, and it is on the last day that they will be separated. And so here is that last day now, sheep and goats being separated. And, and then in verse 34, the king who is doing the judging, the son of man, He's going to first address those who are on his right, and those are the sheep. The goats have been placed on his left. He's going to address them one after the other. And, and as we've seen in the text already, there's a lot of similarities into the, in the way that these are phrased. Take us first, Pastor, we felt, into what he says to those on his right. And I think it's, it's very important that we see what he says to them first before he starts talking about what they've done. And, and that's going to help us. I think, avoid maybe looking at this as some sort of salvation by work. So take us to start. What does the king say to those on his right at the very beginning, Pastor Wheatfelt? Yeah, and I think kind of kind of going off that point, it, it saves us from some sort of legalism. Uh, that is, uh, yeah, like you had said, Pastor Apple, the works righteousness, that these things are we, we have to do in order to uh, to be saved or that these works uh, are done, that there are things that we do in order to help ourselves through uh, to salvation. So the, when, when the son of man, who is, is called now the king, um, and, I, you know, he, he's 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 called the king uh, here because he's coming in his glory. And when I when when the son of man who Jesus is connected to himself comes in glory, he comes as king, king of heaven, king of earth, of all these all these things. But a not not the king, not the type of king, though, that the people and those especially who are who are listening to Jesus's teaching here not uh, he's coming not as a king that they thought he was going to be instead he comes as the king that uh, that the world truly needs not a not an earthly king uh, but a spiritual king and a heavenly king a king who is able to uh, divide now rightly between those who are uh, of him and those who are not of him and so uh, he, uh, he 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 comes and he he does that but the king comes and he, he, he calls out to those who are on his right. He says to them, come, you who are blessed by my father. And it, note, notice that it is it is a it is a it's past tense. Those of those of you who are blessed by my father, that I think that that being blessed comes passively to us that we receive this gift of being blessed not that we have worked uh, the the blessing for ourselves but that that blessing is given to us and i think that's an important thing to note here because uh, as he, as he goes along he's going to say all of these different things that uh, that 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 you did or you gave or uh, things thing, things like that, uh, but in in reality, uh, it's it's not things that we have done for him or even for ourselves, but it's it's been actions that he has given for us. Uh, to do and done through us uh, so that it's it's very i think that's a very important distinction that these things are are done at, are done 
uh, through us on uh, because and by him uh, and, and and how he cares for us. And one more thing to note on that is we're going through the 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 things that have been done uh, or not done. They are they are identical minus the opening blessing that the Lord gives to uh, gives to his people who are on his right gives to the sheep. Uh, he gives that initial blessing and then he cranks through the things that they've done. But then uh, at the but with when he gets to the other side, um, he will say he he does he he cranks through the things but does not give a blessing and at the end gives uh, the eternal. Um, verdict uh, the eternal punishment and uh that, that 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 because of these things because uh, even though these people may have been doing doing uh, good works in fact they're not doing true good works uh true good works come from come from the lord and are done uh, th uh, uh the Lord doing them through us. Uh, but, but even though, you know, people may be doing good things for one another, the works that they do are not true good works are not true and, and, and have, you know, have, have, have weight and merit uh, only in themselves and not things that won't follow them as revelation says uh, into the ages of ages. But, um, it's 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 brilliant to see how uh, going back to thirty four, uh, the Lord's or, or yeah, Jesus says, "Come, you who are blessed by my Father, and now you are called to be inheritors of the kingdom, and that kingdom has been prepared for you from the foundations of the earth." This is a kingdom that is given uh, to those. This isn't saying anything that, uh, as those, as some would say, that there is some sort of electorate, some sort of elect that have been uh, specially gifted or grafted into and have been predetermined. No, the kingdom has been prepared from the foundation of the earth for those who have faith. Uh, it's not that those who have faith have been created or been uh, have been determined since the foundation or have been chosen since the foundation of the earth it's the other way it's that this is this gift has been f uh, formed and, f and 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 has found itself since the uh, foundations of the earth and that now those who have faith and those who have uh, those who are the sheep are now being simply given that so i'll i'll pause there for now Sure. So, I mean, the, the passive nature of the verbs, as you've pointed out, is, is very important. And, and now you've got me thinking there with, okay, I'm going to Ephesians chapter one here, because you were talking about it's the kingdom that's been prepared, which is a passive, a passive verb still, that the kingdom is prepared. This is God's doing, and the kingdom was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, I'm, I'm thinking through Ephesians chapter one, verse four, where, where Paul does talk about we have been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. So I think those two things go hand in hand and we're, we're right mm -hmm. to see those things together. But yeah, here, here it is the kingdom that's been prepared. But again, I think, and you, you pointed this out very well, it is the, the passive nature of this. This is a gift from the king to his, his people. And that's the type of king we have in the son of man, Jesus Christ, who is both God and man at the same time. He's the king who comes to die for us to give us this kingdom, to win it and to give it to us. And so it's, it's a gift from the very beginning. And then from that gift, then Jesus goes on to speak to the sheep, all of these things that, that he's done. So Pastor Wheatfelt, take us into those things that, that have been done through these sheep and, and help us to, to avoid that legalism that you were talking about earlier. Absolutely. So Jesus then dives into, um, uh, the you know very specific language as toward what uh, these what people have done he says when i was hungry you fed me when i was thirsty you gave me drink when i was a stranger you welcomed me when i was naked you clothed me when i was sick you visited me when i was in prison you came to me i mean these are things uh, these are things that, uh, you know, the Christian life and that the church is about. It's about caring for the neighbor. And how do we care for the neighbor? Uh, we care for them spiritually, yes, by sharing the good news, 
but oftentimes the church is called to care for them in physical ways as well and to take care of them, uh, take care of people uh, in, in, in physical ways too. Um, and so I think it's right for us to see that this, these are all good, all good things. Um, the great, the great thing is, uh, the great thing is uh, when, when Jesus gets into 37, then when the righteous say, Lord, when did we, when did we do any of this? Uh, they, Jesus goes on to say, when you did these for a stranger, you welcome, uh, or when you are sorry, in, uh, into, uh, 40 then uh, when Jesus says, when you've done this to the least of uh, my brothers, you did it to me. And so, um, you know, it, it goes into, you know, the, we are, we are the hands, the mouths, the feet of Jesus, taking him into the world and, and, and doing good works, not for our own benefit, but for those who are around us to show them uh, who, uh, who the Lord is. Uh, the Lord is one who gives to his people, uh, you know, and gives, that to, gives to us a calling, a calling to uh, go into the world and to share that good news and to care for, for, for those around us. You know, I, I continue to go back to Luther's quote on, in regard to vocation, that God, God doesn't need our good works, uh, and and we really we don't need them either. But it's our neighbors that do. Our neighbors are the ones that see the works of our hands and experience those works too. And they are the ones who are are the beneficiaries. Whether it be hearing the word of God, whether it be receiving, uh, whether it be receiving food or drink or welcomeness or clothing or um, visitation or, uh, or or being seen even in the prison, it's them that are reaping the benefits. And in that, you know, the Lord's working through us, and the Lord is being served through us as well. So there's, there, I mean, it's all the Lord. And again, it goes back to my, to my earlier point that what, what happens to Jesus happens to us. We're the, we are sometimes the beneficiaries of some people's good works. They are doing it. Uh, it's the Lord working through them, benefiting him and benefiting us. But then also people, when people receive our good works we're not the beneficiaries of those. We're not the ones who are being blessed in those or who that will receive some sort of reward because of them. No, it's the neighbor who receives the blessing, the benefit. And in that, it's the Lord working through us to be a blessing and the Lord working through us to receive the blessing also. So I, you know, I, it's just absolutely uh, brilliant how the Lord uh, you know, uses, uses this. Uh, in order to say, ultimately, you know, care for each other, not out of not be not in the way of the law, though, uh, not but in the way of, of of the gospel. That this is this is what I give to you. This is who you are because you are my children, and 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 this is who you are because uh, this is who I am, and this is who I have made you, and I am doing the work here, and uh, you are you are not blessing yourselves, but you are blessing me and blessing the neighbor. Uh, yeah, again, that, that point that you had at the beginning about what happens to Jesus happens to you, this is what what's, we're seeing here, and that's ultimately the difference then between the sheep and the goats, is, is that those who, who are on Jesus' right, the sheep, these works are done in faith in Christ, because all that has happened to Christ has been given to them, his death, his resurrection, his life, and now those works are, are being worked out within their lives, even though they don't, don't realize it. Whereas those on the left, the, the goats, they are not in Christ. Those things that have happened to Christ have not happened to them through faith. And so in, in their works, they're not doing it for, for Christ they're, because, because they're not in him. And, and that I think that's such a, a key point to see here. Pastor Wheatfelt, we've got about five minutes left on the morning. Take us, take us a bit into, again, the language is very similar to what Jesus says on, on the, to those on the left, but there are a few few differences. One of, one of them is what Jesus says. I always think this is worth pointing out in this text, that when he speaks to those on his left and he says to depart from him, he says they're, they're going into the eternal fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels. 
But whereas the kingdom was prepared for you, the fire was prepared for not for people, but for the devil and his angels. And, and just to, to see that, to, to recognize God does desire the salvation of all mankind. He did not prepare the fire for people. It's, it's something that I, I always like to point out in this text. So with about four minutes here, Pastor, we felt take us into those words, wrap things up. Yeah, yeah we got four minutes. So. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. No, I think your point is very, it's, it's, it should be very well taken that from the, that the, that uh, heaven salvation is, was found, founded from, it set into place since the foundations of the earth. Whereas, um, whereas the eternal fires is an afterthought is a is is as a consequence because of sin and something that uh that that you that 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 is not is only a consequence and is, is not something that is it, it, that we as people are created for uh, and that but heaven is we are created with uh, heaven as the goal with that eternal with that eternal uh, promise as the goal and uh, the thing the other thing to note in in kind of the openings whereas in the uh, the, the people on the right he tells them to come to him that the that, that, that eternal that, that, that eternal kingdom is is where he is he tells those who are on his left to now leave his presence hell the fires, it is away from his presence and it is, it is, it is, it is far off from him. And I think that's part of the, part of the, you know, eternal punishment that is opposed to the eternal reward is a closeness to the Lord. Eternal punishment is a farness, a distance and isolation. And so when Christ experiences hell itself on the cross, it's in the words you know, uh, it's in in the word. It's in the words uh, that 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 he says regarding being um, that the Lord turning his face and being cast away from the Father. There's that there's that separation. That's when the Lord experiences, or part of you know, part of the hell that the Lord experiences in His own crucifixion. But then he goes through. Um, the, the the different things you when i was hungry you didn't feed me you when i was thirsty you didn't uh give me drink uh and, and uh, then they go down to 44 and lord when do we see any of these things and did not minister to you it seems as if they think that they are already doing this but they don't have the right way of doing it they're doing it for salvation and for themselves as opposed to uh, you know, not for their own salvation. So the Lord ultimately then casts them off into into the eternal fire, um, and uh, they, you know, leaving them with the words, "Because you did not do this to the least of these, because you did not use these works to be a blessing, uh, uh, or that these works were not done out of um, faith." That these work, you may have done works, but they were not done through faith, and they were not done uh, uh, on in a godly way. In that is, in the way of uh, the Lord doing the works through the individual, because they tried to do it their way. They ultimately then um, are not are doing works in many ways towards their condemnation. And and yeah, Jesus concludes. Those will go away to eternal punishment, but here's the comfort. The righteous will go into eternal life. Those made righteous Amen. by Christ who have received his, his blessing, as we talked about, the kingdom prepared for them, they will go into eternal life. Pastor Matt Wheatfelt is the director of admissions and the director of the Christ Academy program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, helping us this morning with Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Pastor Wheatfelt, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Pastor Oppold. Great being with you. Jesus is coming on the last day to shepherd, to separate the sheep and the goats. You and I, by faith in Christ, will be found on the right in his blessing to receive the kingdom that he has prepared for us, the kingdom he won by his death and resurrection, the kingdom he gives to you and me by faith right now. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again next week.